I recently attended Full Frame Documentary Film Festival in Durham, North Carolina. I saw 11 films in four days. A few were light and pretty, but most were heavy-hitting films about war, warriors, and the brave souls who inhabit the world of war to document it. The first film I saw was one I'd seen before, but never a 35mm print in a theater. I thought it would be a good film to see again. War Photographer, a biopic of James Natway, in which he discusses the value of photographers to the greater world. The film shows us that the war photographers are present so you and I don't have to be there. They witness and bear testimony to transmit the human suffering that they see out in the world for the purpose of generating compassion to their audiences. I was reminded of something one of my professors said after an undergrad visual studies class about artwork as social justice work. Nothing beautiful comes from war. As an artist, I wonder if I've taken these words as a challenge, as it's been a starting place for much of my work. I'm a veteran. I was in the military during the days of Desert Storm, Desert Shield. And while I've been out of the military much longer than I was in, the experience of serving my country helped shape my politics and my worldview. I'm not a political expert, nor am I truly up to speed on the forever war in the Middle East. But I am a citizen of a country at war and a research-based artist who's made work regarding war. While I was in art school, we considered picture making, like you do along with the how of picture making and the why of picture making, also the effect our pictures would have on the world. Previously, I'd given almost no thought to the outreach of my pictures, having been led to believe that anything I had to say would have little consequence within my community or out in the world. As a class, we considered the good and bad of challenging images, as well as our roles as image makers, as image consumers, as arbiters. And in that moment, I was confuddled by the idea that harm could come from my pictures. I wanted to wrap my head around picture making and the potential impact of the pictures themselves. And the only thing I felt I could responsibly do at that time was stop making pictures until I fully knew what I was up to. In that class, we looked at Natway's images from the war-torn world in which he lives and works. As we analyzed them, we came to recognize the effectiveness of such photos for good or bad. Our conversations were a fair representation of the folks and the images. A skeletal man stands in for the famine in Sudan. A deeply scarred face stands in for the genocide in Rwanda. A homeless man with one arm and one leg bathing his young child stands in for poverty in Indonesia. But what are their names? Are these pictures helping them specifically, as well as the larger issues that they represent? What's made clear in the film War Photographer is that when we see his images in the news or in a magazine, it's the editors who are responsible for the positioning of the images and the captions which serve to tell the story of the people in the photos. This part of the narrative structure was left out of this story during my visual studies classes. It was never indicated that, as a photographer, Natway's steadfast concern is with compassion for humanity. I've come to see photographers as an agent of using, rather than othering, an agent of compassion and service to all humanity, working to transmit a vision of our sameness. In the face of tragedy, destruction, disease, and conflict, we're shown that we're all pretty much the same, with similar concerns about food, shelter, family, and safety. One way for me to consider war photography, short of going to a war zone to cover it, is to consider the life of a war photographer. What is life like for a person who's living in a war zone by choice? 
What's it like navigating the world with a camera or a recorder, otherwise unprotected, for the sole purpose of making the world a smaller and more compassionate place? I know of a war photographer. I got in touch with Jake recently, asking if he'd participate in this project. I wanted to see through his eyes for a bit, to hear the parts of the story that get left out of the media coverage. I wanted to get a feel for what's going through his mind as he experiences making pictures in a war zone. I told him about what I was up to, letting him know that I'm challenged by the fine line between commodification of news images and reportage. This is Jacob Simkin, and I'm giving report on what I'd seen and done. I was in Mount Sinja. It is one of the last few places that the Peshmerga hasn't been able to defeat ISIS. The Arabs usually call ISIS Daesh. Jake's photos on Tumblr and Instagram, they're at once casual and deliberate. The images on his website and the work that he's doing for others are direct, brutal, scary, heartbreaking, and they tell of a world that's hurting. I noticed that a lot of the Yazidis, which is the old sect religion, have fled to living in the mountains. They refuse to live in amongst the refugee camps because Sinjar is their homeland and they don't want to leave there. They lost a lot um, in this fight. They weren't really prepared for Daesh to be able to come across with so much men, kidnap their women, slaughter a lot of their men in, in a sort of genocide kind of way. The Peshmerga are a bit wary because obviously politically, PKK and Happy Gay, they're in a different category and obviously different ideals to the Peshmerga and the Kurds are quite, quite racist between their own Kurdish brothers and sisters because they have their own particular way of how things are done. A photo on his Instagram stream is of a typewriter loaded with a sheet of paper that reads, it doesn't matter if you're a Kurd, FSA, Ashed al Shabi fighter, you're all bound to have Candy Crush on your smartphones. So set aside your differences, send each other some lives, and unlock the Candy Mountain, and go fight and win. I think this seven-line statement sums up what I've said so far. We're all the same, and we all want to unlock the Candy Mountain. In the big rock candy mountain, there's a land that's bright and fair. A few years have passed since that visual studies class and I've given myself lots of time to meditate on the type of images which depict suffering, and these aren't limited to war photography by any means. While I flinch at difficult images, I appreciate that I'm the person who's hurt by them. This is the stuff of empathy. This visceral effect is the stuff of being a fully functional human being. Maybe my mediation of hard images has been an act of relieving my audience of their adulting duties for a few minutes. I don't know. Cheryl Strayed wrote something that I think works here, from Tiny Beautiful Things, Advice on Love and Life from Dear Sugar. Love is the feeling that we have for those we care deeply about and hold in high regard. It can be as light as a hug we give a friend or as heavy as the sacrifices we make for our children. It can be romantic, platonic, familial, everlasting, imbued with sorrow, twisted by betrayal, deepened by time, darkened by difficulty, and loaded with promises and commitments that we may or may not want to keep. The best thing you could possibly do with your life is to tackle the motherfucking shit out of love. Because what I'm talking about here is tackling love and never letting it go. I know now that Natway has been tackling love. I've learned that through his work, 
humanitarian aid and foundations have been established to help the very people in his images, as well as the communities they live in. His transmission of compassion has reached us. This hard work of bearing witness actually does make a difference. After a lifetime of being told that I can't make a difference, this is important to know that one person can. It's hard to see love through the news. Instead, we see headlines, front lines, coalitions, and acronyms that maybe don't make much sense after a while. We see concerns for oil and gold and flags and guns. Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Libya, now Yemen. It's not hard to see love and compassion for humanity through the eyes of our friends, who are maybe war photographers. I've been pushing and pushing, and then finally, finally, I actually got to go to the actual front lines and to actually be with the PKK. It's not hard to extend compassion to people living and loving in these ravaged places. It's not hard to extend that agency to people on the ground in rough places, bearing witness so that we don't have to bear the brunt of the hard stuff. Through war photography, we are made safe so that we can contribute to the humanitarian efforts without having to survive the very dangerous duty of showing up. Uh, for now, everything's kind of in a standstill. I mean, it's great for pictures, but that's all there is. The story of compassion, witness, bearing testimony, transmission of ideas through difficult images was left out of my visual studies classes. Our talks fell short of the generosity of humanitarian aid that resulted from his testimony. I find it so interesting that a class about looking could fall so short in seeing the whole picture. Jake recently wrapped a new documentary series called The Fighting Season. It's produced by Ricky Schroeder. Yeah, that Ricky Schroeder. It premieres Tuesday, May 19th at 9 p.m., on DirecTV's Audience Network. I really got a lot of insights uh, from them, and I'm looking forward to uh, coming back here when the actual operations start, but till then, there's nothing happening. We're now entering the 2015 fighting season. A spring has come to the Middle East. Here's a tweet from Full Frame's Twitter stream. It reads, the best thing about documentaries especially at Full Frame, is that the filmmakers want to make movies that not only document the world, but save it. The soldiers there are made of lead and they are very brave. There's a lake of stew and ice cream too. You can paddle all around in a paper canoe in the big rock candy mountains.